Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, April 6th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. We do have rolling tow later today, so I've got about two hours. I think we'll start rolling tow at 10. So I'll stay here as long as we have questions or until... 10 o'clock. We're going to open the phone lines right now. So jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. I've got a bunch of odds and ends, so I can probably uh, talk for quite a while today. But if you want to jump in, go ahead and pick up the phone. Calls are starting to come in. We'll get to them in a little bit. Um, A couple things I want to talk about I don't want to spend a lot of time on some of this. I've got some political stuff, some trucking stuff, some health stuff. I'm a little worried about the dollar. Our dollar for 80 years, it's been the world currency. We receive a lot of benefits because it's the world's currency. It creates demand for our dollar. People around the world hold dollars. Dollars The dollar bill is accepted almost anywhere in the world because it's the world currency. It creates demand, which makes our dollar more valuable for us. There are a lot of advantages, but that seems to be changing. We have countries who are now skipping the dollar and trading in other currencies. If the dollar collapses completely because of that, if it's just completely dropped as the world currency, I certainly hope we don't get to that point. It would be really, really bad for our economy right now. Couldn't The timing couldn't be worse, but that's part of why it's happening because our dollar is, is we've overprinted it. We've talked about this. You can't just keep printing money. At some point, it will collapse. We are seeing the signs of stagflation almost everywhere. I keep saying prices aren't coming down on things that they should have real estate. I'm watching real estate numbers. They came down a little bit, but not much. And it doesn't make sense because properties aren't moving. When a property doesn't move, the price should keep coming down, but it can't. That's part of the problem. Um, A lot of people trying to sell right now don't have enough equity to be able to drop their price. They're just kind of stuck. And many times they'll end up um, getting foreclosed on, defaulting on the mortgage. The prices of equipment not coming down even though there's equipment sitting everywhere. It's just doesn't make sense unless you put it in the lens of what we experienced in the late 70s, which is stagflation. So really really bad economic situation. Hoping something changes our direction sometime soon. I don't know what that something is. Um, Something else in the news is definitely trucking related. The issue of the Department of Labor, this is the Federal Department of Labor, defining what an independent contractor is. So the history on this, right before Trump left office, he had a new definition written into the Department of Labor. And it was somewhat better than AB5, at least. There were a couple traps in there, possibly for trucking. It wasn't perfect, but it was 
better than anything that looks like AB5. As soon as the Biden administration took over, they rescinded that. Then the court said, no, it's going back into place until the Department of Labor can come up with a new rule to replace it. That's where the problem comes in. The Biden's pick for the Department of Labor, Julie Sue, is she was heavily involved in creating AB5 in California. We know exactly what she'll do with this rule. We're going to try to bring you some resources on how we may be able to fight back a little more against this. There's a, uh, a new group that started in Washington that's trying to fight this. I've reached out to them, see if we can get them on the show. This is something we'll be talking about more going forward. What else is interesting here? You know, I really hate that we talk about elections constantly now. We, you know, we vote in a new president every four years, but it is always election season these days. Uh, between, you know, the midterms that happen every two then, you know, every two years we've got some fairly significant elections. So it is always election time anymore. It's kind of tiring, but it is what it is. At least this race is starting to get a little interesting. Last time when, you know, they had everybody flooded in, especially on the Democrat side, they had so many possible candidates. None of them were very interesting, really. They were... It was just kind of boring for the most part. And then they elected an old white man anyway, which they said they, you know, weren't going to do, but they did. At least now we have some interesting people in the race. I've been talking a lot about Vivek Ramaswamy on the Republican side. Very, very interesting candidate, in my opinion. I don't know if he has a chance or not. It's hard to predict our elections anymore. The Democrats have a very interesting candidate who just announced yesterday, and I seriously considered switching. I, you know, when I, the primaries mean almost nothing to me. If I vote in the primaries, it's libertarian and we don't have a prayer of electing a libertarian to anything these days. So it kind of does feel like the primaries are wasted on me. I thought, boy, I wonder if I should just um, register as a Democrat for the primaries and vote for this person, at least in the primaries. I don't know. It's a shame we have to go through that kind of crazy thought process about electing people. I wish I could just vote for who I wanted. And some years I do, but anymore, that doesn't seem to be a good strategy either. But um, Robert F. Kennedy has announced, Jr., obviously, has announced he's running. Very, very interesting candidate. If you go back far enough, and, and Robert F. Kennedy is an old white guy, too. If you go back far enough, he was a conservative. I don't know if a lot of people realize that or knew that Kennedy, who was fairly conservative, um, more middle of the road conservative than what we would consider today. He is running as a Democrat and he's been registered as a Democrat for a long, long, long time as conservative stuff was back in the past. But, you know, that that means something if he had conservative views at one time. Really, when I look at his views now. I would consider him a classic liberal. And those are so rare anymore. We, liberals we have today are not classic liberals at all. I would consider 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a classic liberal. The, the, he's, he has a couple problems, really. It's a couple big problems, I think. One, immediately the first four headlines I saw announcing this started off with the words anti-vaxxer. That started with the word. So anti-vaxxer Robert F. Kennedy announces. That's how they started. Almost the first four were like that. Now dozens of articles with anti-vaxxer in the, the title of the article. Now that creates a problem. Republicans aren't going to vote for him. And Democrats aren't going to vote for him because they consider him an anti-vaxxer. And that may be one of the biggest issues in the, uh, in the upcoming election cycle. So I don't know that he's got much of a chance, and that's unfortunate. He has been a very, very outspoken critic of vaccines, all vaccines, for a very, very long time. The other problem he has, I'm not sure what causes this. There's something about his voice. I think I remember reading something a long time ago. He he does not speak well. His, his voice quivers a lot, and it's it's like his vocal cords are really, really tight. That's that's a shame. I mean, you have to be able to speak well. So that's going to be a challenge for him, I think. But it at least turning out to be a little more interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that. What else do I have on my list here? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these things. If you want to jump in, phone lines are open. We're going to go to those calls here in just a couple minutes. I just want to mention these. I missed this somewhere. This happened a while back, and I, I don't know how I missed this, but I did. There are now 40-year mortgages. I didn't realize that. I, I can't imagine, you know, my son's trying to buy a home right now, and it's so frustrating. I, I tried to talk him out of it. I did talk him out of it for a long time because the prices were just insane, and then mortgage rates started to go up. But it, it doesn't look like that's going to change. Uh, mortgage rates look like they're going to stay high. The prices on the West Coast came down a little bit, but much real estate prices. On the East Coast, they've actually gone up in a lot of places, but so has rent. Rent here on the West Coast has gone through the roof. It is insane. It's hard to find rental properties and the prices they want are just ridiculous, especially if you're a family and you need some sort of a single family home. Um, BlackRock and all the investment companies bought up a lot of rental properties and drove prices through the roof. Uh, it's a struggle for young families right now. But I did some math just to just to kind of point out, I don't think people realize what these numbers end up looking like. You know, I'm using the, I'm using 400,000 as the home price. Here where I am, that's actually not enough. I should probably be using 500,000. If, you, if you've got a family and you're looking for a decent, safe neighborhood here on the West Coast, just about anywhere, you're going to spend a half a million dollars. And that's not a nice home. It's a typical suburban home. Probably needs some upgrading. That's the prices we're looking at. And they are renting um, for $2,500 or more a month, which is more than you would pay for a mortgage, even at today's rates. <clears throat> but... Here is what happens if you get a, so for looking at a $400,000 house, you should be putting 20% down, that's 80,000. We need to borrow 
um, 320000 then to buy this home. So we have put $80,000 out of our pocket already, which how many small families can really save $80,000? That's what it takes to buy a typical home today. That's just an average home. If you aren't able to put down 20%, there's another way, but it gets even worse. You can get approved putting down less, but then you have to buy something called mortgage insurance in case you default and the mortgage insurance makes up the difference. So, but then that means your cost just went up. So there aren't a lot of good answers here, but here's a young family signing a 40-year mortgage today on an average home, here's what they have to look forward to. First off, it's not going to be paid off till 2063. Isn't that a scary number? Maybe it's scary for me because I'm really old, but 2063. Can't imagine what our world is going to look like in 2063, but that's how long it would take you to pay off one of these 40-year mortgages today. The home was $400,000, remember that part. You put 80,000 down, so you borrowed 320,000. Here's how much you're paying back, over a million. It's a million and $57,000 at today's average rate. You bought a house for 400,000, you put 80,000 of your own cash in, but you will pay back over a million dollars. That is, that's disheartening for young families right now. This is a, uh, a really, really tough economy and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. In fact, I think it's probably going to get significantly, significantly worse before it gets better. Uh, one more thing, and then we're going to get to the calls. No big deal. I thought this was hilarious. I think Elon Musk has just an incredible sense of humor. No matter what else you think about the guy, he's got a really interesting, dry sense of humor. So everybody is all up in arms about the new blue check. You know, a blue check Twitter has been around forever. It just means you're, they verified who your identity is. When Elon took over, he started charging for the blue checks. It's either $8 a month or $11 a month. And I think that's because of Apple. If you have an Apple phone and you sign up, then the price goes up because they get 30%. I think that's the deal. I just signed up my laptop instead and I pay eight bucks a month. You'd be shocked at how many people try to insult you over that. This is a really weird issue. People... If they disagree with something I say, they'll do this. Oh, well, you're so stupid. You paid for a blue check. What? I pay for a lot of things. $8 a month? We're worried about eight bucks a month? And you think it's some sort of an insult that I chose to pay? I paid for a couple of reasons. One, I do want people to know it's really me. It's easy to spoof somebody on Twitter. It's even easier on Twitter than it is on Facebook. So I do want people to know... You see something with my name on it, it's me. Or there are some things that other people in our company post on my account. So if we post uh, schedules or ads or announcements, it might be somebody else in the company posting it, not me. But it's it's all coming from our company and all the other stuff, the opinions, those, those are all mine on Twitter. Um, 
So sure, I don't have a problem paying company to use their service. This is another thing the internet has really, really screwed up with people because so much stuff was given away on the internet, still is every day. People expect it. They feel like they're entitled to get everything on the internet free. You try to charge somebody for something, they lose their mind. Or if you pay for something, they're trying to use it as an insult. It's really bizarre. I don't get it. So Elon is just trying to clean up Twitter. I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. Still got a long way to go. So he's also including, I, I forget, there's another color of a check mark for media, which is nice. I think it's good that we identify groups like this. But he came out and he put a tag on NPR, National Public Radio. I don't know if you're familiar with NPR, how it works. It gets money from the government, lots of money. It has for decades. Our tax money goes to NPR. I've never understood why. I don't really understand that whole thing, but it's been around forever. A lot of our tax money goes to it. You know, when they do, they do shows that a lot of other stations, TV or radio wouldn't cover, things about the arts. And that's why, you know, they said, well, you know, nobody pays for that kind of stuff. So if we want things like that, we have to pay for it through NPR, which, which, I don't really care too much about that, but when NPR starts reporting news, I have a problem. We should not have news agencies that get paid by our government use our tax money. That, that's just wrong. It always has been. I've always thought about that. I don't know why we don't, that doesn't bother us more. Obviously, Elon Musk feels the same way. He tagged NPR as state-sponsored media, which is exactly what it is. But that really is a, that's a strong label. It's put on news agencies from other countries that are heavily influenced by the government. In a lot of countries, the the government controls the media. That's what made us so great. Our media was totally separate from our government and was antagonistic towards the government, which is the way it should be, but that disappeared. The mainstream media today is in bed with the government. There's just no doubt about that. NPR is a step worse. They're funded by our government. And they went nuts when he did this. But I think it's, uh, I think it's exactly what he should have done. Uh, honestly, I would start doing it on CNN. We know they colluded with the government. Put it on CNN. Any, any news agency we can find that took orders from the government or or any, any uh, social media platform, state-sponsored. Give them that tag, I would. Uh, was there anything else? No, I think that's enough. Calls are starting to come in. We will stay here now until we run out of calls or until 10 o'clock, and then we will head on into rolling tow. Let's get started today. Let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? So, well, just real quick on the currency. I think the end of the world is just the beginning. It's starting to happen, huh? It's, uh, you know, something else. I, I follow a lot of the uh, Freight Waves guys on Twitter, the writers and, and some other people. And one of them yesterday posted a video of a ocean-going vessel being boarded by pirates. 
That is exactly. Now, look, I still think that book is is so far out there. I've read more about the author. I disagree with almost everything this guy believes. He's not somebody I typically oh, I would read. And, but he even he even talks about that when he's going through the green agenda. Right. That you know, you know, he's a firm believer in it, but he knows it's, it's impossible in in majority of the world, not even the country, the world. It, right. Right. So. I typically wouldn't read a lot of what this guy has to say, but I'm finding more and more I am agreeing with people who I be aligned with. You know, and Robert F. Kennedy, I mean, I I agree with a lot of what he's doing, mostly on his his VAC stance. I've followed him for well over a decade on that alone before I was even into health, because I was always a little leery of all these damn vaccines, too. You know, Robert F. Kennedy is... Robert F. Kennedy has a big problem because the agriculture and the, and the pharmaceutical companies are going to come after him. They already hard. have. They already have. So, I know. I, I know. I read the same things you did about the anti-vaxxer Robert, Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced for president. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. And the media is funded by them. So, you know, he's going to have to break through all the noise to try to even get a, a word out. And you're right. But his speech is very hard. To he's hard to listen focus to. Focus on what he's saying. It is. It's a shame. Yeah, I, I don't you know. know. It's some yeah. sort of physical health issue. I don't know what caused it, but yeah. it, it's a shame. It is hard to listen to. And that's probably his biggest problem. I think he could overcome most of the other stuff. I think he could overcome the VAC stuff now. Last election cycle? No yeah. way. No way. He would have. Oh, so no. He is no. smart. If he's ever got a chance this is it. There is so much anti-vax sentiment right now. He's smart for trying. I think he could over, you know, his name will certainly help him, no doubt. But I think the biggest right. problem we have will be overcoming the speech issue. You know, at least he's lucky he'll be able to raise awareness of some issues that the media don't want to talk about because he's a Democrat. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That, you know, we get enough Democrats that come out as classic liberals again, and we can get back to some sort of sanity in our political system. Right. And I believe he was a conservative, but I think he was a conservative Democrat. I think he's always been under the D moniker. I'm not sure, though. I I never followed him early on. And we're going back to the McCarthy days. You've got to go way back, right? It was a long, long time ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, over the past week or so, we've been, you know, between waiting on the evil orange man potentially getting indicted, and then he got indicted on Thursday, and now it's come out that it looks to be pretty much just a political hit job. You know, there are some other charges. For some reason, the New York DA didn't disclose what they are. I no idea if that's legal or not. Apparently now, here, no let, one's pushing on it. Let me explain this because I went to figure this out myself. This is, okay. this whole damn case is so confusing because this yes. DA is trying to do legal gymnastics to put together some sort of a case that should never be a case. That's why it's so confusing. Correct. Because he's doing things that have never been done legally before so everybody's speculating here's here's the issue the 
bookkeeping errors, or let's even call it blatant cheating in bookkeeping. If that's what he wants to claim, they right. cheated, whatever it was. Those are misdemeanors. They, they're well right. past the statute of limitations. He can't charge Trump with those. But that's what's in the indictment. But there is a New York right. state law that says if these misdemeanors were used to create an advantage or in committing another felony, then these misdemeanors become felonies themselves, and then there isn't same statute of limitations. That's the first mental or legal gymnastics we had to go through here. They, okay. he couldn't, Alvin Bragg could not charge him with, now we're speculating on what the federal crime, what the other felony is. We're speculating, right. but it, it right. based on I everything, mean. it has, to be, I mean. it has yeah. to be federal election laws. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's all about right. storming. So we're speculating, but that's what it is. Alvin Bragg can't charge Trump with that crime. He's not a federal prosecutor. Right. So he charges him with these state level bookkeeping, you know, anomalies is all they are. And then claims that those were used in whatever the felony is that he won't name. So it, right. it creates right. this and, weird uh, legal issue that if you're charged with a crime, you have to be told what your crime is. And he's not being told that yet, but it is legal right now. At some point before okay. the trial, Alvin Bragg will have to release this. There is a point in the process that he will have to name what that is. It's it, it's just wrong to do it this way, but everything about this whole case is so wrong. But that's part of why we're so confused right. here. So, and that's yeah, why, and I, I was here's, watching, the other, here's the other yeah. thing that's so bizarre about this. If he alleges that it was election fraud of some sort, the misdemeanors actually happened after the election. And when Trump was no yeah. longer in charge of running his company. Right. He was already in the Oval Office. Correct. Correct. And we remember, that clearly, I was bring up. remember clearly when he handed over control of the companies to his son and his family. Yep. Yep. So it's Another so thing, bizarre. Uh, Everything saw, about this is just so weird. Nobody can figure out what's going to happen. Right. And as a law professor, he's a constitutional law professor from uh, George Washington University. He's on Fox. He's a he's a, a paid, uh, you know, Justin, yeah, he, he's a Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley. Yeah, yeah. And he said that that out of these 34 counts, 16 of them are the same count. They're the same crime. Yes. He's 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 count, you know, he's counting. 16 different ways that they falsified yeah. business records. And there are times that that happens, but this one is, shouldn't be one of them. This is more like a right. Officer. Right. That's what he was trying this, to point out. This would be more like an officer following you speeding and writing you a new ticket every mile marker. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what he was trying to point out. That's how we, you know, so, but you know, like last week, Everyone said Trump put himself in in the news. Well, the leaks that came out of the 
DA's office, which happened all the way up to the indictment, um, made him, you know, gave him that, that, that reasoning that he was going to be arrested because that's what he was being told through leaks. So it wasn't him that put himself technically in the, in the news, you know, the DA, the DA's office did that, you know, but no, I mean, we can sit here for the next probably week and a half and beat up on a lot of the missteps that Trump had, but we forget a lot about a lot of the, the good things that happened during his administration. And I'm not even talking about domestically, but I'd like to go over a couple of things if you don't mind. No, go ahead. To remind people. You know, so you know, he did unleash he did unleash the military and we did pretty much wipe out ISIS. He gave he gave the go ahead to kill the Iranian general Soleimani and also the leader of ISIS al Baghdadi. He pulled us out of the Iran nuke deal. He also put on heavily, heavily uh, weighted sanctions on on the Iran government and the regime and all and all the all the heads of the government. He pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accord, which Biden put us back in. But that was a devastating blow for our economy at the time. He tried to normalize relationships with Russia and with North Korea. He met Kim Jong-un, first first U.S. president to ever do that, since I think since maybe Nixon, possibly. He had no new wars. His trade agreements were possible, were made possible by his domestic policies with the energy, because he he had the leverage over most of the world to, to renegotiate. He also moved the, the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. And because of his energy policies, he went around the whole 60 or 80 year war between the Palestinians and Israelis. And he made the Abraham Accords. And now there's normalized relationships there. And that was directly because of his energy policies, because we weren't beholden to the Middle East for energy. He also, with his trade agreements, he he dropped tariffs. He had Japan drop the tariffs so we can import more agriculture to their country, which helped the farmers. He renegotiated NAFTA. He was trying, with tariffs, normalize relationships with China. And, and get them back on back on some kind of equal footing on trade, which was going to be hard anyway. Uh, he, he also had everything in the works to get us out of all of these foreign wars. He specifically ordered everyone out of Syria, and the deep state didn't do it. The Afghanistan was on track the right way, but Biden screwed that up. And, you know, everyone can debate this. I'm not saying that I'm 100 percent right. These are the things that I can think of that were positive on foreign policy. You know, it's interesting. We when we're talking about presidents and we're in elections, we always bring up the foreign policy issue and, and we make it always sound like that, you know, 
And they certainly did it with Trump. That They said, oh, he'll be horrible on foreign policy, all that. He doesn't know right. anything about what's going on in the world. And they make this foreign policy issue sound like it's so complicated. You've got to be a Rhodes Scholar to be able to figure it out. It's really not that complicated at all. And Trump was pretty damn good at foreign policy, really good at foreign policy. Right. He surprised and, me with this and foreign he, he policy. Also, yeah, and he... He also put all of our quote unquote allies to task and they had to refund NATO. Well, that to me so, had always made me insane how much these these world yeah. organizations, whether it's the WHO, NATO, all these. Why does the U.S. pay the most in now? Some of them are set up so that right. you do pay in based on your GDP. Fine. I get that. But right. we were paying right. a higher percentage of our GDP for decades than any other country in the world to all of these organizations. Trump finally put a stop to it. Right. Well, I'm sure you remember he tried to stop the funding to the who? I know he did. That's what I mean. Right. And 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 legally, legally, they challenged him. and I think they won. But he really wanted to stop all funding to them because China was only giving them 40 million and we were giving them 400 million or something. To and that China was controlling. Them. That was the bigger problem. Right. And China was if we pay all right. the money, right. we should right. have the most say. Yes, yes. All right. So that's what I think on 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 world on world events on on domestically. You know, he got three U.S. Supreme Court justices. He also put 54 conservative justices on on the circuit courts throughout throughout the country, which are lifetime appointments. Yeah, of course, he had his tax code. He had his tax code. He got the unemployment down to three point five percent. This is all prior to covid. Low gas, the bottom 50 percent. Well, that was his energy policies, but the the bottom 50 percent all everyone's income rose close to 40% of net worth. Yeah. He doubled the child tax credit. He doubled the child tax credit because it was a, he was a pro family president. He wanted people to have kids. So if you're going to, if you're going to, I don't believe in any kind of credits or subsidies or anything else, but if you're going to use the tax dollars, at least be a little pro family and pro pro child. Yeah, this is my yeah. Now, now I, I he cleaned up the he he cleaned up the VA, the Veterans Association. He cleaned up the hospitals. He gave veterans actual choice of doctors where they can go out of network, out of the VA, and get their own doctors. Because he was pro military and pro and pro veteran who gave their gave whatever they gave to keep us safe and our freedoms secure. I agree with it he all. Also, I, I, I've always said, right, right. agreed with his policies. But, you know, he but was, we all we we beat up on we beat up on this guy, and this is yeah. He was the only he was the only president that went to the march for life. No, oh you no, know? I so I, I mean, I get it. Like I said, I agree with a lot of his yeah. policies. It's just a shame that he chose it. And I will just pick on one big mistake. Forget mean tweets and all that stuff. I could give a rip about that kind of right. stuff. My gosh, right. The, right. his biggest mistake. And, and honestly, don't, I can't forgive him for this one. 
fighting the media was the stupidest thing he ever did. For somebody who was able to accomplish well, have, so much, fight antagonizing okay. the media was a huge mistake. Had he not well, done listen, it, he would have I, been reelected. I'm convinced of it. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you my take on this. Okay. Now, all presidents get criticized and 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 told falsities on. Now, whether it's false or not, yeah, we had Obama. Everyone was saying he was born in Kenya. He wasn't a true Amer. He wasn't a real Amer. You know, American citizen born here. He couldn't be. He couldn't be president. He never, ever addressed that. And I'll tell you why I think he never addressed that, because that was a perfect distraction, because he had the Uniparty in Washington helping him work his agenda, Republicans and Democrats. Okay, so it was a perfect distraction for us to fight about whether he's a real, you know, U.S. citizen or not and all this other stuff. But you see, with Trump, it was different. It wasn't he wasn't fighting the media because they were because when he came out down the stairs and he announced and he talked about how all these bad people are coming from Mexico and he says, oh, and I guess some of them are nice people and everything. So the media started attacking him right off the bat. But what happened was he was being investigated for being an actual Russian asset, which was completely false. And the Justice Department knew it because none of the co corroborating documents could be verified. So with that being with that happening and the media just pounding on it, he became saying that it's all fake because no one wanted to do the research into this. And that's how he got in. That's how he got on board with beating up on. And it was a mistake. Doesn't matter no, if he I, has 37 I, reasons to justify it. It's a stupid move. They have way too much power over the American people. That's all you have to remember. He should have been smart enough to understand yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is. He is a vain, thin skinned narcissist. He is. Yes. That, that's his problem. I mean, that's, I that's know. what he and, is. And, and that's what he is. That's that's a problem. That's a problem for me. Yes, so now let's is. let's take somebody who will who would have done all the exact same things you just heard and would have gone even further, who has already said he will eliminate the Department of Education. Somebody who is very, very similar in their policies, but will not make that kind of a mistake. That's who I might just vote right. for this time. And, and, and I'll tell you, That's it's Vivek, it's Vivek yeah. Ramaswamy. Absolutely. Right, right. And, and well, let me tell Ramaswamy you one more thing. Let me tell has, you one more thing that I praise yeah. Trump for, um, his work ethic. He worked his ass yeah. off in that job. Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy is already yeah. outworking him. <laughs> he is. Never seen somebody yes. do so I many know. interviews in such a short period of time. He's already outworking Trump. Well, he he is thirty years younger than the guy. So well, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that there's an there's two big advantages in my mind. He's young. He's right. hungry. He's sharp. I, I agree with you. And he he will not go antagonize the other side and the media. He will just ignore them. He's not criticizing right. anybody. Has anybody noticed that he's one of the very few politicians, even though he's all over social media, he's all over the news. I haven't heard him. I have not heard him criticize anybody. 
He just talks about what he's well, going to do. How refreshing is that? Well, to his credit, he was the first person to come out who is actively running against Trump and demonize this whole prosecution. Exactly. Exactly. He, he is he's he is what we used to refer to as a statesman. He's yep. a, he's a diplomat, yep. not a well, politician. And, he's, he's just a breath of fresh air as far as I'm concerned. Well, he, he has said this in multiple interviews I've heard from him. He said that he wants to take President Trump's agenda, which he agreed with, and 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 go even further. Exactly. That's exactly right. how he, Ex- he perfect. That's exactly how he right. prefaces his campaign. Perfect. He said, I want I want to take all of President Trump's policies and go further. That's what he, exactly you know, what he says. You know you something know? else? I'm just going to speculate. It's just pure speculation. But just understanding his history, he is first generation in this country. His parents came over here. So he's first generation in the country. You look at his history, you look at the family, at the background. I have a feeling the media will will bust their ass to try to find something wrong with this guy, and they're going to have to just make it up. I I have a feeling there isn't much in his past that's going to become a problem. Well, you know, you have to have respect for this guy. Here he is, the head of a biotech firm, the company that he created. And because he wanted he was he wanted to speak his mind without hurting the company, he stepped down as the CEO. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the guy has integrity. He the does. guy has integrity a mile long. He does. And that's big. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I have nothing I'm not here trying to defend Trump. I just want people to understand that he's not this you know, just this this he did a lot oh. of good. Well and, and you're right, all that's been lost. All that's been lost. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and unfortunately, he had the uniparty. I said this before. Republicans are, are, are liberals, and in, in they, they... Look, Mitch McConnell came out on Fox News the other day and said the, the, the biggest topic, the biggest thing in the world right now is, is Ukraine beating Russia. That's what everyone should be worried about. I mean, I'm worried about inflation and this economy. The whole Ukraine thing has really really opened my eyes to a lot of Republicans who I thought were maybe borderline and they're not borderline at all. They're they're just as much a part of the deep state as any Democrat. And now we're starting to see it over Ukraine. We should not spend another penny there. We should have never spent any money there. It's not a democracy. We shouldn't be there. It, it's opening us up for a war against Russia. Everything about this has been wrong. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And unfortunately, you have, look, I mean, point, I tell people all the time, I said, just, let's just go back to 2017. Donald Trump is a Republican president elect, elected. He has a Republican House and a Republican Senate, and he got nothing done except for the tax policies. Everything else was everything else. He had to rework the executive branch or do by executive order because the Republicans pushed back on him every step of the way. Yep. And I complained about it then. I hate presidents doing that kind of stuff by executive order. Any president. 
they should be well used i mean it started i think it really best. started mainly it really started i think really accelerating in george w bush i believe that was the first Probably. one that did a lot of executive yeah. orders and 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 barack did it and of course trump had no choice because no one would work with him and i think a lot of his cabinet choices for the first for the first half of his term was a lot of people weren't but, stepping up because they didn't want to waste his political clout on him. That that was so another he had no choices. problem he seemed to have, which seemed a little unusual. He seemed to align himself with some pretty shady characters and, and appoint some people that I don't think should have been appointed. They're, they're, other than judges, he, he was pretty, he was good with judges. Those appointments were excellent. His cabinet picks, I thought, were awful sometimes. I don't think he had a lot of people stepping up for him because they didn't Maybe want to not. waste their political, their Washington political capital yeah. on him until the second, you know, the second half when he was doing all this stuff, people started noticing, you know, you know, and, and again, you know, yeah, he's going to be blamed for COVID. He thought he was doing the right thing. You know, you, when you have a couple of dissenting opinions, you, so, you can, well, you can sit back and think about that. Let me address you have the, the COVID whole, thing. Because this does come back to his narcissistic, ego-driven, I get it. He was there in the very beginning. We didn't know a lot about this. Yeah. It could have been dangerous. I was saying this back then. I, it's hard for right. me to imagine this, but if, if everybody remembers, I may have been the first person that said they should cancel the Louisville truck show in 2020. Yes, you did. Because it was that, that yep. early. And I had been following these kinds of things, and I was worried about a big viral outbreak like this. And it could have been bad, could have really been bad. We started to figure out pretty quickly that it wasn't. The problem was Trump yeah. will never, ever say he's wrong. So just just, just no, come out and say, yeah, we didn't a- know. Yes, I pushed hard to get this vaccine. I thought it might have saved people's lives. I realized pretty quickly that Fauci was a shill and and. He just needs to come out once in a while and say, I got it wrong and I'm going to fix it. But he doesn't to this day. Yeah. He still will not denounce that vax. That's going to hurt him. I know. Yeah, it is. It is. I, listen, I don't, I don't really believe he's going to be our next president. You know, I, I, it, you're right. I mean, first of all, I think a lot of people are just tired of him. And it's just because it's, 24-7 in the news, everything, every time he's around. So I think people just have, just have a tired, they don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of what he's doing to the Democrats. He's making them so insane they can't even think straight anymore. And that's not good for us. You know, it might be funny to sit back and say, no. oh, look at how he antagonizes the media and the, the Democrats. Ha, ha, ha. None of it's good for our country. No, no. And another thing that's going to, I think, is hurting him really bad. I saw a commercial last night. It's the Make America Great Again Pact. So I guess it has to do with him. But they're, they're saying how Ron DeSantis voted against Social Security and Medicare when he was in Congress. I mean, come on. That just doesn't, that doesn't do anyone any good. No. No, of course not. Of course not. But so, that's, that's what we're dealing with. Right. And I and I get it. I get I get why people don't like the guy and why people are tired of him and everything else. But he did a lot of good for the country throughout the world. And now a lot of people didn't like him overseas. 
because he was call, he was calling them the task. He sat. He went to Davos and told all the, all the rich elites that well, I'm dealing with America because I'm the American president. I'm not going with your global global right. agenda. You know. I know. I mean, these are the things that that he did that was pro-American. You know? And like so I said, that's that that's what's driven me to the point where I am now. I, I want to find somebody who is right. as close to those policies as possible, but doesn't have all the problems and the baggage. And that leads me to Ramaswamy. Right, right. Every time. Yeah, no, 100%. I am in 100% agreement with you because as soon as you were bringing it up on the show, on a call I had with you, I, I knew exactly what you're talking about because he's, he's been impressive to me since I learned about him when he had the biotech company. I, I've known about him for quite a while. I didn't really know about him until he wrote the book, Woke Inc. That was my first. Oh, the Woke Inc. Yeah, yeah Woke Inc. Yeah, that was my first real exposure yeah. to him. And, and was, the yeah, reason that got like my this. attention, if there's one thing, in my opinion, with all of the disasters going on in our country and the world right now, if there's one thing that I could change, just one, it would be the whole woke thing. I, I can't even believe we're doing this. I am so shocked. You know, my whole life, companies have been hyper careful not to politicize stuff. As a business owner, you have to make that decision. Now, look, I made a decision as a business owner that based on what I do, I'm probably going to piss off people enough that they won't do business with me. I knew that, but right. I made that conscious decision. Right. I don't care if I ever become a giant company. I don't want to be a giant company. Every time in my whole life, every time one of my companies actually starts to grow, I get rid of it. I have so many examples of that. <laughs> I love the small company challenges. We've talked about let's truck wherever to grow. I mean, really grow. We want to grow, but I mean, really grow. We would have to hire a CEO. Right. We know we would. I yeah. don't make a good CEO. None of the three owners do. We're all good at what we do and, and the company runs well like that. But if, if we were to grow, we would need that kind of guidance of a CEO whose only job was to grow the company. That, that can't be my job. Right, if my right. job was to grow the company, we'd lose a lot of the value in the company. I think the value I bring is me standing here at the mic talking every day and researching and doing what I do. Yeah. So we've decided that we can stay small and we can grow. You know, we want to reach more people. I, I don't need to grow financially. I'm pretty happy where I am in life financially. I'm blessed to be able to say that. I don't need to grow the company for more money, but I need to grow the company so we can reach more people and do what we do. I think we have a good mission. But I've also realized that because of what I do, we're probably going to alienate a lot of people. In today's world, I may be alienating half of my potential audience. But I made that decision that I'm okay with that. You know, but this these is, big companies. This is what's so baffling. I, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, this is what's so baffling. Right. Why are they doing this? Especially you know, when we're heading into a really bad economy. Are they so flush with cash that they just feel like they can do anything? They can piss off half of the population when you're a national brand and you're willing to piss off half of your customers? You know, I go back to, there was an interview that a lot of people state, Michael Jordan, 
And someone was trying to get him to talk about Republicans. And he said, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Like, don't that this is what's so baffling why Pepsi and Coca-Cola and Nike and all of these huge companies that want the market share. They piss off 50 percent of the country. Why? Why would I buy a Pepsi then? Why would I buy a pair of Nikes? Why would I? Don't get it. You know, I just don't yeah, understand don't. why they would go down this road. And and it's for something so controversial. And it's such a tiny, tiny percentage of our population. Why is this issue dominating well, everything right now? I, listen, I, I just I got I was I was out of the house by three this morning work and i was listening to the radio and i guess nike right now is is the, the person who they pick to showcase their women's sport lines is a transgender it's female it's the same guy i was talking about yesterday with the bud light it's dylan mulvaney yeah picked up yes, four yep, yep, he picked yep. up four new deals do you realize? Wow. Do you do you realize I mean, Dylan Mulvaney, a biological male who decided to start this thing where he went on TikTok every day, that Chinese app that's going to take over our country. He went on TikTok every day right. and started doing this thing. My first day living as a woman. That's what he did. He started posting videos. That's how he's gotten this popular. Oh, he, was I un- heard, he was unemployed I heard that. before yes, that. Yes, I heard. And go watch his videos. Right. He is so demeaning to women. Go watch his day one, day one living as a woman. I don't know if I should go shopping or if I should sit around and just cry for no reason. That's the kind of stuff he does. He openly mocks women. I just don't understand. Oh, wait a minute. I know where I was going with that. Oh, you know, Bud Light, weird. Why would you use this guy to Bud Light? Come on. Um, Nike, seriously. Yep. But do you know one of his first yeah. deals? Remember, he's a biological male. I don't know if he's cut off parts or anything. Right. I have no idea. His first, one of his first big yeah. deals, Tampex. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's oh for God. real. I, I, I don't doubt it. I yeah, don't doubt that's it. That's for real. You know, I just I just sit back and I say, well, you know, women fought for equality. They fought for the right to vote. They fought for all of these, you know, the Title Nine, you know, women's sports, you know, and, and where are all the people? Oh, where's the glorious speak, items? You know, speaking the, the, of that, where are all of these people? I don't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, this issue yeah. of trans athletes in sports. Now, I don't think anybody cares if a woman, a biological woman who decides to live as a male, even if they do the surgeries or whatever, I don't think anybody cares if they compete with other males. Do it. I don't care because there's no inherent advantage. Who knows? They may even win. Fantastic. But there's no inherent advantage there. So nobody really cares. Now, the opposite, I think a lot of people care about. I do. A biological males competing against females is so wrong. I have stories of high school volleyball players being hospitalized because they got spiked by a biological male. 
Right now, I was just watching two videos yep. this morning. There is an MMA fighter. Do people realize how violent the sport of MMA is? It is unbelievably violent. I was somewhat involved with it because a lot of my wrestlers in high school wanted to go on to MMA. So I, I got pretty heavily involved in it. I understand it is a brutally violent sport, way more brutal than boxing, right. which is pretty yep. brutal in yep. its own right. Now, here we have a biological male dressing up like a woman and fighting MMA. He has broken two women's skulls. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know, I know. It's, I don't know his name or her name or whatever you want to call him. You know, so, you know, I have three daughters and none of them really got into competitive sports, but I don't want, I don't want them to have to compete in anything that, unless it's on an equal playing field. Correct. You know, I right. mean, you know, when, you know, when these people claim males have no biological advantage, give me a break. You know, one, I've been very active in sports my whole life, all kinds of sports, everything from bowling to racing motorcycles. I'm very competitive. I also have a huge disadvantage in almost every sport I've attempted, just my physical size alone. It is incredible to me how many sports that has an impact. And I never used it as an excuse. The one place where it really didn't have an impact was wrestling, which was why that was my big sport. I had no disadvantage in wrestling because of my size, because you only wrestle people that are basically right. the same size you are. But in every other sport, right. um, water skiing, I wanted to be a competitive slalom skier. If you've ever watched slalom skiing, somebody who is six foot three has a huge advantage getting the ski out around that, that buoy. That's, yeah. It's a huge advantage to be tall in that sport. Even something as simple as bowling, big advantage. You, you've got much more leverage on everything. So that's male and male. I felt like I was at a disadvantage in most sports. I can't imagine what these women feel like. Well, exactly. I mean, this is why, you know, these, these, these people got trying to be, you know, the people that are involved in these sports at the highest level of amateur want to be, go to the Olympics if it's an Olympic event. They want to, you know, and this is, this is their catalyst. You know, my, my wife was a professional figure skater. And, you know, imagine, you know, Scott Hamilton skating against my wife. It just it, doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Even you know? in, even in non-contact sports like that, males still have right. huge advantages. Listen, when, when I, I know that when guys, when they were doing the jumps, there was a, there was a triple axle, which is you actually start off on say your left foot, but you spin to the right Yeah, and you spin three times and land. It's a triple axle. Well, up until I think the night, the, the mid nineties, only men had power to do that. Right. The women were doing double axles. Then when the women started doing triple axles, the guys started doing four rotations, Correct. quad jumps, right. not, not, you know what I mean? Like, cause you know, they're, they're just physically stronger. They can build their muscles up and they're doing quads now. Well, I mean, it's did, just cause it, they're, 
They've gotten so yeah. ridiculous about this. I told you about the college professor who stood up and said, if we dug up people that have been skeletonized, we would not be able to tell a male from a female. He has a PhD. He was laughed right. at by his students because they realized how ridiculous that statement is. We could teach a third grader how to yeah. tell the difference between a male and a female skeleton. Listen, when you go, just go back. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Kindergarten Cop with Donald Schwarzenegger. It was uh, comedy. No. I very All right. Well, anyway, watch you know, he, I know. Well, he's an undercover police officer. So my daddy becomes a kindergarten teacher undercover. And the first day he's in there trying to teach these five-year-olds, one boy stands up and says, girls have a vagina, boys have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's smarter. I mean, he's smarter than most college old. professors. Yeah, that's you right. know, I mean, it's a script. Don't get me wrong; it's a script. You but know, it's just, if, you just if, have to just get the. If if you want to watch somebody who has done some really interesting debates on this, and not not frustrating debates, you know, debating today can be so frustrating. Everybody just screams over each other. Right. I'm guilty of it. He Matt Walsh. Uh, if you go look up the Matt Walsh blog, oh, I love him. I love him. He, in the last week, has done this whole series. He was at some sort of an event, and he sits there, and trans person or a trans activist stands up and and basically starts to debate him. And I've watched probably six or seven different people. It's very calm. There's no screaming. There's no yelling over each other. He basically asks them questions and, and is really... Almost every one of them ends up standing there, unable to respond, and just walks away at some point. He does a really good job. The one example I thought was excellent. He had a trans male who is now living as a female. I don't even know the right terms. I get confused who's who. But it is a biological male who is now living as a female and was really trying to debate him on on many of his points. And he said, look, let, let me try this. Um, Matt Walsh did. He said, you're an EMT, right? This person was an EMT. And they said, yes, I, again, I don't even know how you refer to these people. He, she, they, them, I don't know. Right, right. Said, yes, I'm, I'm an EMT. He said, okay, imagine this scenario. You get a call, somebody's laying on the ground. You have no idea what's wrong with them. You pull up and you now know whether they told you or you were able to identify it, they are a trans female. I believe that's the right way to say biological male. Right. So a man and man being a woman, right. So you're standing there asking him what's wrong so you know how to start diagnosing and treating him, and he claims he's having a miscarriage. Would you then choose to try diagnosing him whether or not he's having a miscarriage? And the person stand there, excellent question. The person walked away, couldn't even begin to answer. No, we wouldn't. Of course we wouldn't, because you could be risking somebody's life at that point. You could be wasting time on something that could not be physically possible. So why would you ever waste time on that? You wouldn't. Because you realize they are a biological male and they can't possibly be pregnant or having a miscarriage. But we have biological so males who Matt, are who are spokespeople for Tampax. And there are videos all over yep. where, where trans people will like trans 
they were biological males, they explained their period. They believe they're having a period. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, listen, I have bad days and you might say I'm on the rag, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a stretch. Hey, hey Fred, I just, uh, yeah. I, I just looked at the board and it is full and I've got a time limit today. So I've got to move along. We're going to go to California. Mike, welcome to the program. Uh, good morning, Professor Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Yeah, so I was had a question. Oh, I was just, listening to Melanie based over to your... Just to clarify for people. Go ahead. Um, you referred to me as professor. I have no PhD, just to be clear. Go ahead. You don't need one. <laughs> the knowledge you have, you kicked off it out here so, so well. You, it's well-deserved. Well, Not tongue-in-cheek at all. Thank you. So my question is regarding, after listening to your thought-shelling steering wheel course many times, I, if I'm going following your advice in that program and buying a, a vehicle out of state and needing to do the inspections, as you suggest, how do I go about finding a particular garage or mechanic out of state that I could trust to give me a, a proper inspection? Good question. Uh, lots of hard work. Lots of picking up the phone, calling people. If you happen to know another owner operator that's anywhere in that area, ask, you know, for recommendations. Not as difficult as it might seem. Not, you know me, I always talk about building relationships with shops. That, that's not what we're looking for here. We just need somebody to do some down and dirty quick checks on some things that maybe we're not capable of. I have actually, there have been times where I've found individual mechanics and just pay them to go to go to the dealer because maybe the dealer won't cooperate with me. They might not release the truck. How do I get it over to the shop? There, there are some issues you'll run into, right. but I've found individual mechanics that'll go out and do this for me. Really, okay. it's not that critical. It's not like I need to trust that they know how to be an oat do an overhead properly. I just need to have somebody physically look over the equipment, make sure there isn't some big problem that I, that I'm not aware of. So you make a lot of phone okay. calls, you, you so, know, you, you, you figure it out. Well, I want to be there with them doing that or just have them do it and then pay them and then have them send me the results. You know, th this is a tough call at, so when we're looking at equipment remotely, which I highly recommend, you should not be shopping for commercial equipment just in your area. You should be looking all over the country. Uh -huh. So it does create extra work and extra cost, but it is worth it. I, I will say that during my career as an owner operator, fleet owner, 80% of the vehicles I bought, I bought out of state. It was that high. Early on, I bought a lot of trucks locally and found out it was a mistake. I wasn't finding the best specs and the best prices and the best equipment. That's why I started shopping the whole country. Um, so we, like I say, it does bring up some extra work, but it is worth um, every penny, especially in a market like today where the, the, the prices are fluctuating so much. We really need to be looking all over the country to find those, those best opportunities yeah because in, in my case i got plenty of time because i'm I got about five years before i retire from my current company and then go owner operator and then i'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger so i'm hoping by then the market will have yeah. dipped and start coming back up again and yeah. time good. for me to be in good shape good so i'm just sitting back waiting listening to all your advice and other 
Pittsburgh Power and Joel and everybody making notes and just waiting my biding my time, if you will, and just and when it's my time does come, I will go ahead and pull the trigger and be in a good position to, you know, be on on good standing. You know, you make a successful business out of this. I make the statement a lot that I don't like to make predictions about things like the economy and fuel prices. And because I don't like being wrong. And when you make predictions, you're, you're going to be wrong a lot. So I try not to do it very often. I'll, I'll make some predictions if I think it might help somebody. There is one area I can predict all day long, and I'm pretty damn good at it. I can predict long before somebody ever buys their first truck, whether or not they're going to succeed as an owner operator or not. I've done it a long, long time. I've worked with thousands of people. You're going to succeed. No doubt in my mind. Thank you. That's a good boost my confidence. There are are some very, very clear signs when I'm talking to people, and it has nothing whatsoever to do with their experience as a truck driver. None. It's a lot of other things. It's but I can tell pretty quickly when somebody's going to succeed. And honestly, I could just say this is not a difficult business to succeed in. It's just not. Now, is it hard work? Are there a lot of sacrifices being away from home, living on the road? All those things? Absolutely. But as far as is it difficult to succeed and make significantly more money than you can as a company driver, that's just not that difficult. Yeah, you know, one of your comments in your course was about, you know, do you want to have, you know, the shiny chrome on your truck? And my biggest issue is I'm fighting my company for, for maintenance. They do the least possible. And they're, they've actually told me that their only goal is to, because you're in California, is to pass the 90-day bit inspection and that's it. It breaks shit when it, when it breaks. Uh, yeah. It when it breaks. Yeah. It uh, I'm like, I'm trying to give them things for suggestions how to make this trucks run better, make them last longer. And they're like, no, we don't care. Correct. We'll just buy a new truck. Right. Like that's, that's a horrible attitude. So that's my reason why I want to go on and buy my own truck. Yeah. Well, there you go. And like I say, you're doing it right. You're taking your time. You're asking good questions. You're making notes. You're creating a plan. You're waiting for the right time to do it. All those things are, are just really positive signs. All the while, and I'm building equity in my home, and I'm also putting more money in savings. Excellent. So I can buy, buy truck trade, you know, have everything done you know, pay up front, pay as little financing as possible Excellent. and just be ready to go and make money. Congratulations. Keep it up. Thank you. All right. That's all I have for today. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Check in once in a while. Let me know how that plan's going and how I can help you. Let's go to Florida. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I was just thinking about something when I was on hold here. I got a question about ketones, but you know anything about this FedEx consolidation and what it might mean for the industry? Oh, I, I create more contractors, less. Con- you know, I had that on my notes, and I was going to talk about it, and then I thought, you know, when FedEx comes up, I talk about it a lot, but it's mostly because of my past and my history with them, and I understand it. And I'm not sure it's all that relevant, so I decided to scratch that one off my list today. But since you brought it up, now I will talk about it. I was pretty shocked to read this. I often wondered if they would ever do that or not. My thought was they wouldn't because of how different the operating systems are. FedEx, the original FedEx, the uh, red and purple, orange and purple, whatever you want to call that, the the original overnight FedEx company was 100% employee. They didn't use independent contractors at all. They, when 
And we also have to remember that FedEx Ground was not started by FedEx. FedEx Ground was started by Roadway. It was RPS, Roadway Package System. Eventually, FedEx bought them. Yeah. It was there at the time. And honestly, mm-hmm. it was very well-planned. Roadway wanted to get bought. They spun off Roadway itself took all of their other operating divisions. Roberts Express was part of them back then. They took all of those and created a company called Caliber Express. I don't know if anybody even remembers them. It was only around for about a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was branded. There were trailers, there were uniforms, everything. And, And the whole point of doing that whole restructure back then was they wanted the company to get bought. So they did, they, they got rid of Roadway itself, created this division called Caliber. FedEx came in and bought them. So FedEx Ground was not started by FedEx. It was started by Roadway. And it was 100% independent contractor when it came to moving packages, line haul and the home delivery. All of those guys are independent contractors. Now, there are a lot of fleets independent contractors who own fleets, big ones now. I, I know a guy that's got probably 40 units across multiple states. Yeah, I used to I used to work for one up in Toledo, yeah. Yeah, I had multiple trucks. I was a fleet owner there. The way I see it right now, and it's hard, this is a complicated issue, but the way I see it, when you read why they're doing this, they're doing this to decrease redundant costs and improve profitability. Well, that does not bode well for contractors. If they're combining these units to cut costs, that means they're going to start moving freight more efficiently. So maybe it turns into a system where if there's empty FedEx ground trailers, now maybe some truck from FedEx Express comes in and moves them. And which they used to do a little bit during peak. Right. But that's why I'm wondering if they're going to do that more now. Yeah, of course they will. They're trying to consolidate and become more efficient, which means they're going to want to spend less money. They're not going to spend more. This isn't some big expansion. This is a contraction. So I I, short term, I don't see that it's good for contractors. Now, there will always be weird opportunities that pop up here and there. But I think overall, on the big scale of things, this is not a good sign for the uh, contractors themselves. That's why I was wondering if it would dump a lot more contractors back into the system that, you know, if they're going to cut back on the contractors and use more of their own trucks. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It could go the other way. Maybe yeah. they maybe they know that their their contractors are more efficient, and maybe they'll start expanding that. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see contractors no. delivering the overnight packages. And then then there's another issue here. There are two very distinct groups of contractors here that are wildly different. You have the line haul contractors, which I was, that I owned tractors and I moved trailers between terminals or between butthead points or whatever it was. That was the line haul. Then the other contractors we call the P&D contractors, whether they use a van or a tractor, it's local Mm P&D work. Very, very different. Those are almost like two totally different worlds. I actually was involved in both. 
because I was the only contractor in a small terminal when I was in Akron, I did the line, all of the line hole work. I was the only contractor there. And I did all of the tractor P&D work. So trailers that had to be spotted around town, local pickups or deliveries around town. So I had both line hole routes and P&D routes. But on the express side, that those guys are actually employees on the express delivery guys. 100%, right. Yeah. Right. Those are company-owned yeah. vehicles and employee drivers. So this is complex. Okay, on to my ketone question. Yeah, I know. That's why I wondered. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. I figured if anybody knew anything, maybe it was you. <laughs> yeah, big big um, announcement, no doubt. It's going to uh, shake a lot of things up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's so something else I'm a team th- driver hey, now, and here's something else to think about. Could it be possible that the reason they're they're making this happen now, we were talking about this 25 years ago. Well, no, it couldn't have been that long. Once once FedEx bought RPS, um, then we immediately started talking about it. Two things I was concerned about. We talked a lot about one, this. Will they combine these units? And what does that mean for us as contractors? My bigger concern, though, was FedEx has been an employee company forever. When they bought us, I thought they may have replaced us then. I was worried about it. It's one of the reasons why I finally yeah. just to sell the company. I didn't like always wondering, <laughs> we'll only take one decision by FedEx and my company goes away. Yeah, and you lose that contract with his worth money. That's why I sold it. I sold it while they, I could. And look, yeah, it may yeah. never, may never happen. But there were a lot of reasons. But what if I just had this thought? What if FedEx is doing this right now because they are worried about the AB5 type laws? The Department of Labor is debating this right now. They are the biggest target in the country for this issue, for the independent contractor issue. The the IRS has gone after them multiple times in the last 30 years. They may be they may be trying to set themselves up so that if something happens to the independent contractor rule, they're they're able to react better. Yeah, and my old boss, Rocky, up there in Toledo, he runs two oh. shops, too. He runs the Columbus I shop and the I know Toledo Rocky. shop. I know Rocky. Yeah, yeah, really good guy. He's yeah. uh, one of the best bosses I ever had. Yeah, I know. I, know. I knew, yeah. the, I so, knew I mean, the Cleveland contractor. I was the contractor in Akron. We had a contractor in Cleveland. We had a contractor in Toledo. So I knew a lot of those guys. That's a long time ago. Yeah, Rocky was there from RPS time too. Right, right. But um, my my ketone question is um, I'm a team driver now, and we're we've been messing around with doing fast, and we did a six day one a while back, and we started out. My ketones were three point five, and my blood sugar was seventy. And four days into the, when my my partners was. 0.05 and 80 blood sugar. And four days in, we tested again, and my ketones were up to 5.2. Wow. I'm just wondering, is there any point where you can get too high on ketones? Only if you're a diabetic. Only if you're an insulin-dependent okay. diabetic. That's the only time we have to worry about um, uh, what they call ketoacidosis. 
there was a ton of confusion yeah. early on when people started talking about the ketogenic diet and ketones. The only reason ketone testers even exist was not because of the ketogenic diet. Ketone testers existed because ketoacidosis was dangerous for diabetics. And they, some of them needed to check. Now, a product Keto Mojo, Keto Mojo was created just for a ketogenic diet. And interesting enough, that's the mini series I'm working on today. We have a recording scheduled later today with Keto Mojo to talk about this. Uh, we're doing a mini series on this issue. So yeah. good timing for the question. So no, if you are yeah. fasting or eating low carb, and in both of those cases, I can't imagine anybody on insulin is really doing much of that. So if you're fasting or low carb, there is no danger of ketoacidosis, none. In fact, what has to happen yeah, to create ketoacidosis, you, and, and it's, it's hard to create this condition, you are able to get your ketones up so high because you're keeping your blood sugar so low. The way ketoacidosis yeah, happens it was 69, yeah. you have high ketones and high blood sugar. You have to have both. Yeah, because my blood sugar, yeah, my blood sugar was 69 when my ketones were 5.6. Right. No danger of ketoacidosis at all. Nothing to worry about. And then for my partner, he, after he got to 3.5 actually and like uh, 70 on his blood sugar, but then after the fast, he came way back down to 0.05. Uh, is that still technically ketosis? You know, I'm not going to argue a couple percentage points. Technically, nutritional ketosis, I believe, is 0.7. I don't get too crazy about it. There are times where I'm 0.2. There are just times where your body's not going to produce ketones. And, And after a fast will be one of them. You kind of load up on calories and just calories alone can sometimes create enough of an insulin release that your body's not going to produce ketones. Yeah, because I've been I've been doing um, the ketogenic diet since 18, so I've been into it. He's just getting started on it. Good, good. So, you know, that, that, that's where mine started out at 3.5. So, yeah, I just wanted to question. I had never seen that high of a number, but like I said, it was in a four-day fast. So How, I thought, you, feel? you know, that might be. I felt great, really. We did, we did bone broth and cardio miracle. Excellent. Is all we did for the Excellent. six days. Good. And that's a lot. He dropped, he dropped 10. Yeah, it is. We're out for six. So we didn't take any food with us. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he dropped in that six days. He dropped 10 pounds. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, we both felt awesome, you know, no anger or nothing really, you know, so Excellent. it was a pretty good experience. You know, that's, that's what so we're going to try it do. maybe once a month. Yeah. When you can start creating the ketones, you won't be hangry. Your mood will be good. You're just not hungry. Yeah. That That's what the ketones do. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were doing bulletproof coffee too. So awesome. That, and I had a cup of that in the morning. So, yeah. There you go. Well, that's all I got. I'll let you move on. All right. Keep it all up. Right. Good stuff. Let's go to Illinois. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. So crony capitalism, I believe, is responsible for wokeness. I was 
Rush, which is a regular listener, always says, follow the money, which then is a, another way to say, well, I have a book recommendation. Yeah, well, hold on a second, because that, that whole idea of follow the money around this woke issue doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. The idea that a woke company but, like Anheuser-Busch would double down on something like this. You can't follow the money. Their revenue is going to get drastically cut. I have seen nothing but stories across social media. Country music, Travis Tritt just announced his entire tour. He will not allow them to sell Anheuser-Busch products anywhere on the tour. That's happening. It's big, really big. I some politician last night talked about a party they were at, an event, with an open bar. By the end of the night, they had run out of every brand of beer except one, and nobody would touch it. You can't follow the money around this woke issue. It, it's, it's totally ass-backwards from what you would think. These companies are making big decisions that will dramatically hurt their revenue. Wouldn't it be, though, that one company... Bought- the bigger company that owns all these other companies is close to the government, close to the Fed, and you play ball with this, we'll give you money. Well, and maybe they will, but that's, that what you can't run a business based on government handouts, especially a big national brand. You grow a business by happy customers. And when you piss off half your customers, well, I, I agree. You, you can't follow the money. That, that's wrong in this case. I, I agree. Well, Most things follow the money, not this one. This is the exact opposite. They are committing financial suicide. I have a, I have a, I have a reason why I said that in sort of a circle. Okay. So the book is called The Radio's Greatest of All Time by Rush Limbaugh, or, you know, it's Rush Limbaugh with Catherine Adams Limbaugh and David Limbaugh. So I don't think it's an audio book because it's got the, photographs, quotes, callers, just a really great book. And I've heard you say that, you know, the repetition of radio, that you constantly hear things and you remember them. I I grew up in this career on Rush and just learned things. And and, uh, so, so that was one part. Then, so you had a call last week and you said it was speculation. And evidently that you listen to Tucker as well, maybe Jesse Waters on the currency issue. Um, the, the the new thing that might be called Fed now and you and you didn't want to entertain it. So let's say with with Trump that so it looks like you know, obviously speculation is certainly negative, but you have to be the reality is what if and okay, so we go to Fed now. They are in control of the currency. We don't have the, we don't have the, op- we, we can't vote the way we want unless we be punished by the government with Fed now. And so in your optimism, how would you reverse all of these, all these countries escaping the dollar? How are we going to undo the damage by the election? And I was listening to a Mark Levin thing this morning on Facebook for whatever reason, they're basically saying we have we are heading to a one-party system. Every all all of our government bodies are one party, and basically, and he was suggesting with the Declaration of Independence and some other document that we should be sort of separating. 
And then another thing totally off, sort of, not, not necessarily though. It's amazing how Google knows the, knows what I listen to. And um, so I've been given an, an opportunity to have AI, I guess, as an assistant or something, but I don't want to do that. I heard a caller saying, I don't want to be involved with the government. But the wait, other wait, thing wait a minute. Was, wait a minute. Um, I'm a little confused the, about something. You said something about AI and then the government. Okay. What do those two have to do with each other? Well, you had a caller, I think, about the Garmin watch, and he didn't want to be a part of anybody knowing anything personally about him. Well, that's the way I feel about Google giving me an offer to participate in AI. I don't no, I get the they, AI thing, my but, phone but then you made the statement that somebody said they don't want to be involved with AI because they don't want to be involved with the government. I'm trying to figure out what that connection is. Well, And I'm not saying there won't be a connection. There isn't one myself. we know of now. All of these AI companies are private. Right. The government isn't doing Government's probably doing something with AI in the military, but not commercially they're not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, all of these AI companies are just private right. companies. Well, well, this caller was saying he didn't want to use the Garmin watch because he didn't want anybody to know about his private life or well, any of the, the other. Part of the I, problem, I, get that. I kind of get it, except let's go back to when the internet first started. One of the most common questions I would get, I would talk about things like QuickBooks and online services and how they were so powerful for running your business. If you were a small business, how all of these new technologies around banking and paying bills could save you a lot of time. And people would call me and say, never putting my banking information on the internet. That's just stupid. And I would try to calmly claim to them whether or not you put your information on the internet will never matter. Your insurance company is going to put it on the internet. Your doctor's going to put it on the internet. Your bank's going to put it on the internet. Your credit card company is going to put it on the internet. Every company you do business with is putting your information on the internet. You could go hide in a cave. It's not going to matter. Your information will be on the internet. Fast forward 25 years and it's 10 times worse. Do you know how many cameras are in the world now with facial recognition? You can't stop this. No. It's almost the opposite. Unless you're just willing to drop out of society and go live independently out in the woods or on a farm somewhere, you can't stop any of this. You're going, your movement is known right now. You are on so many cameras, it's not even funny. Everywhere you go, there are cameras and our government has access to all of them. So to try to avoid this half-ass never works. You either need to go all in and drop out of society or you realize you can't stop any of this stuff. Right, yeah. Well, I, my phone is listening. <laughs> so I say that because yesterday on your Destination Health, you were talking about cannabis. Well, this morning or last night, I guess, there was a, a Facebook commercial for honey and hemp mixed together to make the to make a better sleep. It's like, what are the odds? Today I'm listening to that show and then I get a commercial on the very same thing. You know, and, I, I know, you know we all freak out and we think we're being spied on. And I'm not saying we're not. We, we probably are with all these devices. But the, we think of as too many coincidences. It's really not. 
It's an issue right now. It's a big issue. Of course, you're going to run into it somewhere. Why wouldn't you? The federal government's debating it. Multiple states are debating it. We just talked yesterday. A very, very prominent research group in the trucking industry, ATRI, is putting out a survey. It's not that it's some giant, weird conspiracy. It's just it's an issue right now. And, and here's the other thing to remember. But the odds. Hold on. No, not the odds. The, the odds are not astronomical at all. The odds are in your favor that you would see it. That's what I'm trying to explain. These aren't astronomical odds. The odds are in your favor. Here's the other thing we have to remember. When you and I grew up, we had three TV channels and they had one hour of news a night. Right? Uh-huh. And there was no social media. Yeah. So all you were going to hear in the news was what they could cram into one hour, maybe a couple hours a day total, not 17 news channels with 24 hour a day coverage and 37 correspondents on the air. And on top of that, every human being on the planet being able to share news from a device that's in their pocket. Of course, you're going to see this. How could you not? It oh, really isn't. Rolling. The odds are the opposite. Find- the odds are you are going to see this kind of stuff because we are bombarded with news everywhere. Hell, standing at the fuel pump, they're delivering news to you. How could yeah. you not know you about too. all these issues? <laughs> you have to actively right. ignore news and social media not to see these things. I want to send you that book if you let yeah. me. Yeah. If you, I'll always take good. books. Um, well, you've told me a few that you don't want. So well, I just I want to make sure yeah, I send uh, you something that you actually would yeah, want. Yeah, I'll take it. Whether I read it or not becomes another issue only because um, I'm well, just buried in yeah. books. If you read quotes and you have quoted quotes, these are small enough blurbs to say, "Ooh, I got just like you talked about oh, yeah. the cereal I like that yesterday. Kind of stuff. Yeah. I get that. Oh, I totally identify that. There's a quote in very similar in this about where some politician is telling uh, conservatives that we treat our constitution like a religion and basically <laughs> criticizing us for it. That quote or stuck in my well, head. Hold because on. And what you I, said yesterday about I, the I would absolutely push back against that one. Without our constitution, we might not be able to practice our chosen religion. Yeah. And so I, I believe I that in, in the real world, that puts the constitution above our religion. We have to have that kind of religious freedom that our constitution gives us that isn't available in every country. That's all I have. You should get your snacks either today or tomorrow. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Dakota. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hello, Kevin. John Connor stopped it. What? Artificial intelligence. You said you can't stop it. It was a is joke. It, oh, I, Terminator, John Connor. See, yeah. I was just going to ask, is <laughs> this some sort of pop culture res- reference to movies? Or I'm so out of touch with pop culture, yeah. it's not even funny. That was an old movie. That was a <laughs> 100 well, years ago. I, don't, I, I can't believe I remembered his name. 
other than music, I was out of touch with pop culture my whole life. So even when I was a teenager in my time, I didn't watch movies. I didn't watch a lot of TV. I miss a lot of these references. I just don't get them. People say something. I'm yeah, like, me- well, I feel dumb. <laughs> what? Right, you were, no, you were reading books when we were candy bars watching TV. Couple of things. Oh, so last night, I, I'm sure you watched Tucker, but, and he had a huge point on the Ukraine. Those are the same people that got us out of Afghanistan the way they did. Actually, is, I think I want us right back. I think I missed Tucker yesterday. If you're talking about yesterday's show, I don't think I saw it. Yeah, I mean, not the same, not the same, the exact same people. They, you know what I mean? Like they, you know, the the secretary Secretary of Defense, the you know, yeah. million, yeah, all those guys. The exact same people get us out of Afghanistan the way they did, and right into Ukraine with hey, all right. the the money we're spending there is absolutely just i mean it's what it is it's a cash cow did you know you know how we're paying them how we're giving ukraine money how how we you think we're, well we're giving them 10 billion dollars or you know this week we're wiring it right so new no. yes cash. yeah i know which yeah i know cash Paper, paper money, yeah. pallets. Yeah, I know. It's kind, yeah. of, kind of insane. What, <laughs> what we have to remember, it's bad enough that we have all the problems in the U.S. that could use a little cash thrown at them and, and they're ignored and we keep sending all this cash over there. But there's something else that that cash drives inflation. But even more than that, all the equipment we send them, the military industrial complex oh, yeah. making all of this money is what is continues to drive inflation. It's also that, a part of, absolutely this, right. the, you know, I question why these companies are, are pulling this stupid ESG and woke crap. And my, here's what I think, really. Maybe there's something deeper that I'm not understanding. I, I think it's just really short-sighted human nature. These companies are flush with cash. And I think they've become overconfident in their own abilities. I think just like I pick on owner operators and small businesses for not understanding our economic cycle and not being prepared for what's coming, I think I could look at these giant corporations and say the same thing. I don't think they get it. I don't think they realize how bad they're setting themselves up for a bad economy. No, and did you see, so... If you think, you know, you're thinking the Anheuser-Busch and you're just thinking of Budweiser, Bud Light, did you see the, what uh, Travis Tritt tweeted about the every, you know, uh, Blue Moon, the Corona Beer, uh, they've got a, just a ton of different, you know, uh, 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 a ton of different beers and a ton of different, you know, other things. They're, they're not just in oh, Bud, Bud Light. Anheuser-Busch, huge, go, huge, huge. They probably, and I love the company. I've never had any feelings about them one way or another. I, I would have to go. They had the, the Clydesdale. I know, but that that was never any big deal for me. <laughs> They're big hairy horses. So what? Um, yeah. The right. only product. Well, see, eventually these companies buy up really good companies and screw them up. That happens a lot especially in the health world and the food world. We see this all the time. I would have to go all the way back to the original Michelob beer. 
It's probably the only Anheuser-Busch product I've ever really... Now, I'd have to go through and look at some other things, but I, I don't think I've given much of my money over the years to Anheuser-Busch. Just not one of the companies I've interacted a lot with. They did buy a company that well, I used wasn't. to love, a little tiny craft brewing company called Kona. They now own that one. But you know, for the most yeah, part, yeah. I just haven't interacted with them much. The... Um, Anheuser-Busch was um, bought, I want to say, by the Japanese, but it might have been the Chinese maybe 10 I, years ago. It might have been maybe six. I thought it was the Europeans. I might be confused. I, don't, I, I thought they were European or oh, no, they, they were, were German or, or something. No, they were American. Yeah, maybe, was it was American the, maybe it was the Europeans. I think it was the Europeans that bought them yeah. a, a while back. I also see that... Yeah. And, and I, I just noticed this in memes and social media. Jack Daniels? Also boycotting Jack Daniels? Why? I don't... Is Anheuser-Busch own Jack Daniels? I don't think they do. I don't do, think so either. Did, did Jack see? Daniels come out and do something with this this guy, girl, piece? I, I think I they know. did, but I didn't... I only, yeah, yeah, I only caught a little bit of that part, but they had... I don't know where I saw so, it. So let's let's uh, think oh, about something oh, for Lawrence. a second. Let's think about something for a second. Yeah. I'm going to stereotype here a little bit. You know, we, we keep saying that they've pissed off half their, their base. Could be far worse than that. Who drinks more beer and whiskey? Is that a right or a left thing? That's the right. Well, it's got to be a Sporting right. Sporting events. Right? Come on, yeah. Nike, beer, whiskey. Come on. What are they thinking? Right. They're not well, attacking well, their... Like I said, they're not pissing off half their customers. They're attacking their most loyal base. Yeah, 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 they are. And and like I said before about this woke thing, if you wanted to ruin the country, and, I, you know, I don't think that the government's not a little bit behind this, you know, pushing them, uh, you know, just a little, it, you know, you got to get on board with this and... Did you happen to watch the video that you know, uh, Kid Rock did? I, I didn't. You mentioned that, and I didn't have her saying that. So, night, so I, and then I forgot about it. So let me just explain it to you, because, boy, this has got him flipped out. So in the beginning, he's standing with a really tight close-up shot on his back. He, you don't even know who it is. But he's got a MAGA hat on backwards, right. so you can see that. So we're, oh. yeah, right. <laughs> then he turns around. And starts talking about, you know, Bud Light. And then he picks up a weapon and it's full auto. And he blasts oh, yeah. the, the, nice. the beer cans with a full auto AR. Yeah, it's it's um pretty interesting video. <laughs> that's that's Kid Rock's way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, did you see Lawrence? He's on Fox. The 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 black guy, Lawrence something. Jones. And he has a show, Lawrence Jones, yeah, on Sunday night. And uh, speaking of Jack Daniels, so where they go and do their dis or, uh, distillery, the plants around that, talk about how poisonous alcohol is, the plants around that area, they, so they don't, they didn't put a filtration system on there because they didn't apparently, they didn't care or whatever, but you ought to you ought to watch that just for the fumes that are coming out of the distillery are killing all the plants and the guy said oh. the wildlife doesn't come anymore and 
that's really, I've never even thought about that. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. It would, alcohol is very toxic. It just is. Yeah. I've talked about really? it a lot. It's very, very toxic. So Angie looked it up and sent it over to me. The Jack Daniels thing. Jack Daniels has a huge LGBTQ campaign with a bunch of people in drag. And that, and that Mulvaney character, whatever he is, he, he dresses up like a child. And, and, oh, and he, now he's... He always calls himself a girl, too. Not a woman, a girl. He refers yeah, to and, himself and, as a girl. And so, and that, and now he's promoting Anheuser Bush and tampons. So talk about sort of, oh t- yeah, yeah, right. And then, and so talk about um, contributing the delinquency of a minor. You know, having kids probably. I don't know how many kids have started maybe how trying many? their first beer because of that commercial. So, or that. I know I'm stereotyping here. I'm doing it on purpose. I don't even know how I'm supposed trans. I guess is that's just the word right now. Is there is it I, just trans? Is that the word we use? I don't even know. There's so many. I I, I don't know. So I have no. New, I really it, so many always, new terms. I can't keep up with. I'm pretty good with words, but I can't keep up with all these new terms. So whatever we refer to these people who want to whack off body parts and become something that they're not. How many of them are drinking Bud Light and Jack Daniels? Really. Well, uh, a couple, a few, a few more now, probably. But we, that could be. But, that but will be. Yeah, I, I get exactly. your point. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah, you know, I yeah. know. Instead but, of a Clydesdale, because you know Clydesdales are big and powerful and strong, and that that this movement is nothing about big and powerful and strong. That's toxic masculinity. Get a little That's pony. What, no, no, they, little pony. no. They need a rainbow unicorn. Oh, there. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that right? should be the That's new funny. logo yeah, for, was, for right? Anheuser-Busch, that, a, that, a rainbow unicorn. You know what? If I if I was any good for with sketches, I would I would I would I would write I would do that, make a meme out of it. That's right. Somebody, yeah, somebody send in a meme to Kevin about rainbow unicorn and and, and uh, Bud Budweiser. Hey, yeah. oh, so the the real reason I called. So now I know this is a stupid question, but. I was in North Dakota last couple of days, and they got snowed big time. And I'm just in South Dakota now, thank the Lord. But how do you know if a road is closed? I mean, stupid question, right? Don't they usually have a sign out, the road is Most, closed? A lot of places out in the West, they have gates on the interstates. They close the gate. Gates? There's Right? So ratted myself out. I called the cops on myself, apparently, on a closed road. There was going around a corner and me, you know, no good deed has gone unpunished, right? So go around this uh, bend and there's these three kids probably 17, 18, something like that, stuck in this little hybrid car in the drift and so I backed up, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at 80,400 pounds and hopefully I'm burning enough fuel by the time I hit the next <laughs> way station. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I back up uh, to try to make some tracks for him to get out and sure enough, sunk myself. Now, have you ever tried to put chains on a tractor trailer without being able to roll forward or backward oh, at all? Oh, I think it's impossible. Oh, it is. I think it's impossible. Well, of course it is. I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to be able to yeah, roll at right? least that distance of the tire patch. 
You have to be able to get the tire patch off the yeah. ground into a new position. To, yeah, to get the chain on. Right. So I so I did that. So this is the worst screw up I've ever done trucking. You know, I only been doing it what seven eight years or whatever. But so do that. I'm thinking to myself, now I want to kill the kids. I can't kill the kids. But so I, not knowing the road is closed, we're in the and then another trucker tries to go around me and didn't cut it close enough so he sinks off the edge too so we got two trucks we were blocking the road totally right <laughs> and so i called the <laughs> i called the police department and tell them okay uh you know it's getting dark i've been out there four hours trying to get chains on the truck that won't move and so they asked me where i was and they said well maybe we'll okay we'll try to send somebody out so here comes a highway patrol guy about an hour and a half later and he's spitting He's spitting. He comes out and says, uh, don't you know this road is closed? And we both said there was no signs or anything. And he's pointing at his hand and says, it's, it's on the map, on the map app, on the map app. What? And, what? Uh, literally, it's snot, yeah, snot bubbles coming out, right? And screaming and yelling. And, and I thought, oh, my God, this guy, we just want him out of here. You know what I mean? This is not what I, I called to have him maybe, you know, put up, you know, I've got my, my markers out and everything, you know, I just want, want them to know, you know, got flashers on, lights on, but somebody comes around that corner, you know, it could get ugly. Anyway, so he just asks the kids and us, we have enough fuel, have enough water, and okay, then we'll, 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 we'll deal with you tomorrow. <laughs> so I go, all right, well, hopefully I'll be out of here by then, yeah, you know. Exactly. But uh, apparently, in, apparently in North Dakota, they don't mark any roads. I don't know about South Dakota here, but North Dakota, it's all on the 511 app, and then I'll show you the closed roads well, well, that because makes you total don't have sense. any idea. Yeah, that makes total sense. Why, well, what if you're an old guy? What's your, what happens if, that was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. That, that's typical government bullshit. That's all yeah. that is. I mean, because you're too so lazy to get out there and, and mark put the a road. damn sign up. Yeah, it's totally out of touch you know, with what's happening right. in the real world. Hey, I thought of something. This would almost be like a Friday comment, but I'm going to say it on a Thursday. So if you do end up at a scale and you're 400 pounds overweight, I have an idea for you. Okay, you, you, I need it. You know, I've talked a lot about the little battery packs and battery backups, and you can get them in handheld size stuff that fits in your pocket all the way up to big solar generators. But they're all the same thing. They're also just a solar generator is nothing but a big battery with an inverter on it, which is what these little power packs are. I actually have one that has a solar panel right on it. Little power pack, set it out in the sun, it'll charge right. itself. I would just walk back and strap that onto my frame and call it my 400-pound generator exemption. Yeah, just right. Yeah, throw something on there. It's a solar generator. generator that I can, you know, run household stuff off of. They're the exact same technology. Uh, this one's just a lot smaller. I think I get 600 pounds for that, don't I? I don't, I thought it was four, but. Maybe it's six or four. Oh yeah. Four. Like, like a reef, like a reef, like yeah. a reefer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so on your, on your unicorn, on your unicorn, we need to have, of course, Dylan Mulvaney on the unicorn holding a Budweiser. There you go. Bud light. We have to remember this is 
But light, course, you know, which which anybody light. who drinks light beer, I mean, maybe this is kind of fitting, actually. <clears throat> yeah, life's too short to drink uh, light beer. Exactly. I, I quit drinking beer. I'm day I'm day four. I'm day four. Well, I'm I'm a day four of the just right. carnivore and uh, once a day. And, and surprisingly, Walmart Walmart had some pretty good selections. You know, I granted the meat wasn't grass fed or grass yeah, finished. The, the little package of wagyu I got was there. You go. But they had chicken that was was uh, organic chicken. You know, they they said free range, but we know that's bullshit, right? And uh, same with the same with the pork. But but uh, the the options were better than I thought they were. Good. You know what I mean? Good. Hey. Tom, I just looked at the clock. I got to crank out two more calls before the top of the hour here. We're going to go to New York. Roger, welcome. Hi. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. Um, I have a strange question for you. I, I call it strange because I'm not educated enough on tires to know. I have heard you and Mike Beckett both talk about OTR versus regional type tires. Generally, I hear that referred to for the drives, but my question is about spheres. Does it make a difference? Is there a preferred type of tire? Is there a regional versus OTR sphere tire? This is where it's most important. I don't really pay attention too much to regional or line haul on the drives. Um, It's much more critical on the steer. And it's because of the scrubbing effect. A drive tire, whether we run it local or over the road, it does experience some scrubbing that will have an impact. So either way, I think it's always important to spec the tire what you do most. So if you do line haul, spec a line haul tire. If you do regional work, spec a regional tire. If you do local work, spec a, a regional or a local tire. But it's it's really critical on the steer axle. It's not as critical on the driver trailer, not at all. On the steer axle, if you take a line haul tire and run it in a local or regional operation, you will get all kinds of funky wear pretty quickly. Won't take long at all. Now, you can usually run a regional tire on the road without big problems. You will get some wear issues. You won't have the low rolling resistance. Um, for the most part, though, I, I'm going to stick with very low rolling resistant top tier steer tires. Yeah, I'm not going to play around even with, although now there's an argument to be made that the second tier seem to be wearing better, that that first tier they've gone so far on the low rolling resistance that they've created some wear issues. I haven't noticed it. So, but yeah, definitely an issue. And it's a bigger issue with the steer axle. So look at your operation. What you spend the most time doing should dictate which tire you buy. Well, I, I, I'm a company driver, but I have a large influence because I am the, the head driver for the company. Okay. So I have an influence on what the owner does. We, we, only, we only have a four truck operation. So we're a very small company. Okay. And he, he wanted, he said he can get a deal on Goodyear long haul tires. And I said, absolutely not. Um, I said, because we run an old local operation. Granted, I do about 2,500 to 3,000 miles a week in a day cab, 
but I, I just wanted some reassurance that I was correct. You are that, correct. You know, you are that correct. The tires I, that he picked out, he would have. You you would have horrendous wear issues pretty quickly. And that's what I was afraid of. Yep. Because they're correct. going on my truck, right. and I, you know, I don't want, you know, I currently have Michelin X line on here, and and these are wearing great, but we're getting ready to do change out my steers because of the tread you know right. we're, we're getting close so okay all right i just wanted confirmation i guess nope, every research correct. i did talked about drive tires not really about steers yeah that's odd. It's thank odd. you very it's, much it, you're welcome it's a much bigger it, issue it on, is on steer tires yeah so i don't know why you kept finding that kind of stuff all right one more call and then we will Roll into rolling toe here pretty quickly. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be an instant transfer. I'll quit. They'll start. It'll only take a couple minutes. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Luke, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good morning or good afternoon, whatever it is where you're at. I've heard the term progressive shifting brought up, and I guess I'm kind of ignorant on what that is. And I was wondering if you could enlighten me on what it is and how to do it. Yeah, I can actually. We used to talk about this a lot. And one of the reasons we talked about it was because I bought a used truck. This was the early 90s. It was my first Series 60. It was my first Volvo. Um, I actually bought it from Swift. It only had 60,000 miles on it. They bought it and then immediately within less than a year turned around and sold it. They had picked up some big account out of Arizona that they actually were pulling doubles for. So they went and bought doubles and they they spec'd these single axle sleepers with Volvos with a 12.7 in them. And I got this incredible deal on them because they lost the account and they liquidated all this equipment. But they had progressive shifting turned on and the truck would only go 57 miles an hour. And that wasn't just because of, of a governor. The gearing was that bad. The gearing was that tight. But the thing got incredible fuel economy. Now, here is what progressive shifting is, and it can be turned on in a lot of ECMs. The, the Detroit was one of the most popular with this feature. So if I'm, I'm going to explain how you would manually progressive shift, and then we'll explain what the computer does to force you to, to progressive shift. The, if you were, what gear do you typically start off in? Usually first gear, I have an 18-speed manual. It all depends on what I'm, where I'm at. I run a lot of local stuff. Yeah. But yeah. usually first gear. My, during my career, I tried to haul everything light like every time I could. So typically for me, I was starting off in third. I mean, it just seemed like a pretty common gear for me to start off in. If you start off in third, I'll just give you my example. If you start off in third... Before you have the clutch out completely, you're already shifting to fourth. And then you're shifting to fifth in about a half a second. Those first three or four shifts happen so fast, you're almost shifting nonstop. It, it's one right after another. You don't let the RPMs climb on those early shifts. You only use each gear just to get you to the next gear. 
Do you know what I mean? You're not winding that gear way out. As soon as you can shift without losing momentum, that's when you shift. And it's really fast in those early gears. It's like wham, 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 wham. You are shifting fast. Then as you get up into the upper range, you're stretching those out a little more, progressively going to a higher RPM in each gear. That's why we call it progressive shifting. In the in that first shift, you might barely be getting to eight or nine hundred RPM, barely. Then maybe you get up to eight or nine for a couple shifts. Then you might move up to a thousand or eleven hundred. So it, it's really fast. If you turn it on in the computer, you will piss off every driver. Now it's interesting because if progressive shifting is done properly, you actually accelerate faster. But if you turn on progressive shifting, the, the vehicle will, will accelerate very slowly and you will swear you're going to get run over every time you pull out into traffic. The reason is, though, it's more human error than anything. What happens is when you turn it on, it is programmed in each gear what the maximum RPM is. If, if they program in that the shift from second to third happens at 700 RPM, here's what's going to happen. You're in second gear, you hit 700 RPM and the truck stops accelerating. It's stuck right there. And you know what you do as a human being? I'll tell you exactly what you're going to do when that happens. You're going to push harder on the pedal. Like it's going to matter. But that's what happens. It's just human nature. Uh So then we lose two or three seconds before our brain realizes, hey, my RPMs aren't going up any higher. I have to shift. And then it happens again in the next gear. And you don't catch up to this progressive shifting till you get to about sixth or seventh gear. And you swear you're going to get run over. But it's only because you're not shifting when you should shift. Okay. Yeah, I thought that's what progressive shifting was, but I just wanted to clarify that. That's exactly what it is, and you can either do it manually or in a lot of ECMs you can force it. Okay. I tell people. All right. Well, thank you. Progressive shifting is the way we should be driving. It's, it's, it's more efficient. It's easier on our driveline. It's easier on our tires. It's easier on fuel economy. And we accelerate quicker if you do it properly. So I'm all for it. And I tell people, you will be frustrated when you first turn it on in the ECM. I think the best drivers should just drive a week with it turned on so they really understand how it works, then turn it back off and just do it themselves. Now, a lot of the auto shifts are maybe programmed in and you can't turn it on and off. Yeah, I don't know with with them because I have the manual. You know, with, with all the automated transmissions we get, a lot of this becomes even more complicated. The Meritor transmissions I had would skip shift a lot. So you wouldn't progressive shift. They would skip shift. If you started off in third or first, your first shift might be all the way to fourth gear. Okay. So yeah, well, that, that clears that up for me. So this is, this is one of those reasons why I pick on 18 speeds. Because they're not efficient. You, 
would almost be impossible for a human being to properly progressive shift an 18 speed through all the gears. So you don't. We use an 18 speed, we skip shift. Right. There's too many gears there. I mean, unless we're pulling 200,000 pounds, we don't need all those gears. And it's inefficient to use those gears. Right. On the road, I'll skip shift. Now, I haul logs, so I'm usually pushing oh, okay. 80,000 plus. That makes and sense. And getting off-road right. a lot in soft dirt. Yeah. In a case like that, you're not even going to think about progressive shifting. Right. No, but I was wondering about it more once I got on the yeah. road and what I can... Right. Right. How I can improve it, my fuel mileage a little bit. With you know, that. look into your ECM. See if you can turn it on. If you can turn it on, I would recommend doing it. Drive it for a week, turn it back off, and then you'll know exactly how to progressive shift. Okay. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And that is going to wrap it up for us today. I've got to get out of here and make room for... Mike and Kevin Beckett, they are standing by waiting patiently and they're waiting for your calls. So pick up the phone and start dialing right now. Well, not right now. Give me three minutes to get a new show set up after I stop talking. But call them up if you have questions about tires, alignment, wheel bearing, handling, all that stuff. Vibrations. They love vibration calls. Give them a bunch of those. Let's... uh Let's wrap this up. I will see you back here tomorrow. I think Henry is confirmed for tomorrow. I don't know if anybody else is confirmed yet. So looks like at the very least, it'll be Henry and myself. We'll see who else joins us. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.